You're listening to Comedy Central. March 20th, 2019. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Excited is a U.S. representative from the great state of Texas and the only black Republican in the House of Representatives. Will Hurd is joining us, everybody. <laughs> also on tonight's show, Kellyanne Conway has the weirdest marriage, the biggest sports contract ever, and Desi Lydic on the women who invented men. So let's catch up on today's headlines. First up, let me officially welcome you to spring. Yeah. yeah, it's the first day of spring. Can you feel it? You can feel it everywhere, right? I mean, you can tell here in New York, the winter street urine has begun to thaw. Uh-huh. In Philadelphia, Gritty is shedding his winter coats, yeah. Uh, and in Washington, D.C., Ben Carson is coming out of hibernation. Yeah, it's really cool. But it turns out there are some people who may be enjoying spring too much. Southern California's unusually wet winter has created an explosion of color. One of Mother Nature's most dazzling displays, hillsides overrun with poppies. But it might be too much of a good thing for Lake Elsinore. The town saw roughly 100,000 visitors on Sunday, forcing Mayor Steve Manos to declare a poppy apocalypse. The flowers were being trampled and parking and traffic oh, just turned yeah. into a nightmare. With social media driving the poppy frenzy, some worry the allure of a perfect post might be harming the star of nature's show. Wow, really? People are trampling the flowers just for a hot Instagram post? And even worse, they're face-tuning the pictures. So now the flowers think they're not beautiful enough as they are. <laughs> Makes them feel really insecure, you know? And also, you say you love nature, but it's funny how, uh, I don't know, how we're gonna fight against climate change if every time nature does anything cool, 100,000 people get in their cars and drive 200 miles to go and destroy it. <laughs> so much love for nature! <laughs> Look, the point is, be responsible, all right? If you want a photo with flowers, just do what I do. Crash funerals, all right? Yeah. <laughs> I'll just be there like, yo, sorry about your nana, but I got to get these likes, ah! All right, let's move on to the biggest news in the world of sports. He may not be a household name like LeBron, Brady, or Serena, but tonight, an L.A. angel has reached heights even those legends can't match. Mike Trout, seven-time All-Star, two-time American League MVP, is reportedly about to hook the biggest contract ever in North American professional sports. The center fielder's contract extension is reportedly worth more than $430 million over 12 years. That's almost $36 million per year, or more than $221,000 per game. Sweet Jesus, $221,000 per baseball game. At Yankee Stadium, that's enough to pay for parking and get two hot dogs. <laughs> that's like $20,000 every time he swings the bat, or $10,000 every time he scratches his crotch. 
Can you imagine the pressure Mike Trout is going to be under to win, right? Because whenever the Angels are losing, he'll probably just have the, like, opposing team, he'll just have them forfeit. He'll just be like, I'll buy you guys. I'll buy you. I'll buy you. Just lose. <laughs> and look, if you've seen this Mike Trout play, he deserves every single penny. I mean, the guy is incredible. But I will say, that's a lot of money to pay someone for a sport that only exists so people have something to think about when they're trying to not <laughs> And finally, <laughs> moving on to my favorite story of the year. And possibly my favorite story in my entire life. The concertina wire, or the razor wire, used to reinforce the U.S.-Mexico border is being stolen and sold by Tijuana residents for protection due to the city's high crime rate, according to officials. Some homes in the area were also seen with the same razor wire added for an extra layer of protection, but residents refused to say where they got the material. I'm sorry, guys, this is insane. You heard that right. Mexico is stealing the wall. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man, I wish I could have been there when Donald Trump saw this story on the news. Knowing him, he'd probably have been like, they did what? Nancy, I'm gonna need you to spot me another $8 billion. We're gonna need another wall to protect the first one. And I mean, now, if, if they're stealing razor wire for their houses, they might as well just steal the whole wall next, right? Because no one's ever thought of that. It was like, America will build a wall. No one ever thought Mexico will steal it. <laughs> like, Mexicans will be showing off their new home security system, like, I built a wall around my house, and Donald Trump paid for it. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, wow. Like, at this rate, at this rate, Trump is just gonna end up building all of Tijuana up, you know? <laughs> they, they're gonna start putting in requests from Mexico. They'll be like, you know what's really good for keeping us out, Senor Trump? Yeah, garage doors, man. <laughs> you should put those at the border, the ones that fold. Yeah, they scare us. Almost as much as patio furniture, man. <laughs> all right, let's move on to today's top story. <laughs> When you think of the Trump presidency, what's the one thing that you think of? Chaos? No, 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 what else? Hamburgers? No, close, keep going. <laughs> Porn stars? Almost there, no. <laughs> beef, that's what it is. As of now, President Trump has been in more beefs than Tupac and Biggie in their prime. <laughs> one of his most famous beefs was with the late Senator John McCain. McCain often criticized him and even voted against Trump's plan to repeal Obamacare. But now that he's dead, that is over, or so you'd think. President Trump right now is at a campaign-style rally in Ohio, and just moments ago, he once again unleashed a, yet another attack against the late Senator John McCain. I wasn't a fan of John McCain. So now what we could say is, now we're all set. I don't think I have to answer that question, but the press keeps, what do you think of McCain? What do you think? Not my kind of guy. I gave him the kind of funeral that he wanted which as president, I had to approve. I don't care about this. I didn't get thank you. That's okay. That's right, folks. That's right, folks. Not even a thank you for the beautiful funeral I gave him. And worst of all, he slept through the entire thing, folks. <laughs> but that's okay, folks. I don't care. That's why I'm bringing it up. That's why. I really can't believe Trump is beefing with a dead man and losing. Like, I mean, who's he gonna go after next? Albert Einstein, big dummy. How can E equal MC? They're different letters. <laughs> it doesn't work, folks. 
It just doesn't work. Doesn't work. Now, if you're a living person who feels left out by Trump's beef with the departed, please don't stress. Trump still has time to fight with people who are still alive. And this week, his opponent of choice is George Conway. Now, George Conway is a prominent conservative lawyer and a full-size Danny DeVito who has, <laughs> from the beginning, been a vocal critic of President Trump. Now, what makes the story interesting is that he's also married to Kellyanne Conway. Yeah, the Kellyanne. Yeah, the presidential counselor and White House Momo, right? <laughs> yeah, but, but... Instead of killing kids on YouTube, she kills facts on cable news. Totally different game. <laughs> so for two years, Kellyanne's husband has been throwing shade at her boss, but this weekend, he took it to another level. To the White House now, and that bizarre and bitter feud between President Trump and the husband of his top advisor, Kellyanne Conway. George Conway writing, quote, all Americans should be thinking seriously now about Trump's mental condition and psychological state. He posted screen grabs from the definitive diagnostic manual used by psychiatrists, detailing the definitions of certain mental conditions. One is narcissistic personality disorder. Conway also posted criteria for antisocial personality disorder. Okay, now, hold on, hold on. Look, I'm not saying Trump is a normal person, but you can't just sit at home and diagnose a mental illness over Twitter, okay? Like, these symptoms that this guy tweeted, they could be anyone. Like, a grandiose sense of self-importance. Sure, okay, that one fits, I guess. But, like, number two, fantasies of success, power, and brilliance. Okay, that one also fits, fine. (laughs) But, I mean, they they can't, like, all apply to Trump. I mean, there's there's also, what, believes he's, he's special, has a sense of entitlement, Uh, expectations of favorable treatment, takes advantage of others, lacks empathy, envious, arrogant, holy shit. All right, I take it back. (laughs) I take it back. This is the most perfect match between disease and person I have ever seen. (laughs) Nine symptoms, and they all describe President Trump perfectly. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if number 10 was, uses hands like he's fighting off angry bees. (laughs) And he sounds like it too. I think those people should never... I caught one, caught another one. So many, so many. Now, I don't know what George Conway was trying to do with these tweets, but if he'd actually read the symptoms, he'd have known to be on the lookout for an aggressive response to criticism. I call him Mr. Kellyanne. He's a whack job, there's no question about it, but I really don't know him. President Trump now blasting Mr. Conway as a total loser. The president is escalating his feud with George Conway, tweeting this today. George Conway is very jealous of his wife's success and angry that I, with her help, didn't give him the job he so desperately wanted. I barely know him, but just take a look, a stone-cold loser and husband from hell. Damn. Donald Trump calling someone the husband from hell is pretty amazing. I mean, (laughs) this is the same dude who has a separate checkbook for paying off porn stars. I mean, but Trump always insults people with things that apply to himself. Have you noticed that? Yeah, like Hillary is corrupt, or Ted Cruz is a liar, or Barack Obama hates how dumb both his sons are. (laughs) And by the way, the part of that tweet where Trump claimed Conway is just mad for not being offered a job, well, it turns out, like most things Trump says, It's not true. Conway says he turned down a job in the early days of the Trump administration and released the letter he wrote to the president declining the offer for the number three job in the Justice Department. I am grateful to you. However, this is not the right time for me to leave the private sector. You know, it's frustrating how often Trump lies. 
but at least he has the courtesy to make all of his lies easy to disprove, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, like all of his lies, you can just Google, and the truth is the first result, you know? <laughs> A lot of people don't know this, but I won Best Supporting Actress in 1979. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was Meryl Streep. That's my stage name, Meryl Streep. <laughs> You're lying. No, I'm acting. <laughs> so Trump and George Conway, they're going at it hard. And stuck in the middle of this brawl between her boss and her husband is Kellyanne herself. Kellyanne Conway finally weighed in today, speaking by phone with Politico, and defended the president, saying, quote, he left it alone for months out of respect for me, but you think he shouldn't respond when somebody, a non-medical professional, accuses him of having a mental disorder. You think he should just take that sitting down? Wow, defending Trump shouldn't take it sitting down? Well, I mean, it is Donald Trump. I think he's taking everything sitting down. The... <laughs> I was the same person who even walks sitting down. I mean, that's who we're talking about. <laughs> and you know, guys, as much as we make fun of Kellyanne Conway, you've got to admit, this sucks for her, right? Her husband is publicly beefing with her boss. That's not normal. And on top of all of that, everyone on cable news is trying to give her marriage advice. Would you be a little upset with your husband if he did what we've seen from George Conway? Who would work for a boss that causes your husband a loser to millions and millions of people. I think it's probably hurting uh, his wife's relationships inside the building. I cannot understand how you live in that marriage and he walks in and says, I'm gonna hammer your boss again tonight in public. I, I don't get that one. I think she doesn't have any choice. At some point, she's going to have to decide between Donald Trump and her husband. This is not working out. Okay, 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 that's just cruel, all right? Gossiping about her marriage that way? And it's definitely inappropriate that CNN has a countdown clock to Kellyanne's divorce. Not necessary. <laughs> Really not necessary. <laughs> and look, no discussion of someone's marriage problems should ever be on cable news, all right? It should be on Dr. Phil, <laughs> which is why we invited him to the show so we could talk about this with him. But unfortunately, Dr. Phil couldn't come because he had some kind of mustache emergency, he said. So <laughs> luckily, I actually have a cousin in Texas who is also a TV therapist. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Dr. Trevor. <laughs> To Doctor for Trevor. <laughs> Today I want to talk about this whole brouhaha between Kellyanne, George Conway, and Donald Trump, or as I like to call it, a menage a twat. Are you doing? <laughs> First of all, George Conway, you're out of line, fella. Why don't you pop down and just support your wife's career instead of making her life a living heck? Pardon my language. Pardon my language. <laughs> I mean, we don't need your tweets, George. You're just telling us stuff we already know. Donald Trump lies and lacks attention? Oh, they should hire you to write op-eds for noshit.com. Again, pardon my language. Pardon my language. Pardon my language, folks. Pardon my language. Oh, and President Trump, for once in your life, can't you be the bigger man? You can't be bad-mouthing your employee's spouse on the Twitters. It just makes you look like a asshole. Pardon my language. Pardon my language, folks. Look, Donald. The Conway marriage is like a Miss Teen USA dressing room. You gotta stay out of it, buddy. <laughs> gotta stay out. And finally, finally, Kellyanne Conway, I'm sorry that you've had to deal with this. You're clearly the only adult in a room full of bratty kids. You just keep your head up and keep doing the important work 
of lying to the American people <laughs> and making Chuck Todd want to kill himself. But don't let these buffoons distract you, Kellyanne. The truth is, they're just acting like a bunch of bitch-ass <laughs> jerks. Pardon my language. Pardon, pardon my language. Pardon my language. All right, when we come back, we'll talk to a sex addict son who keeps sending dick pics to his blind dad. It's got it all, folks. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. All March long, we're covering Women's History Month, when we all celebrate all of the great icons from Marie Curie to Ms. Pac-Man. She is the perfect woman, strong, sexy, and eats ghosts, everything I'm looking for. For more on this, we're joined by our senior gender issues correspondent, Desi Lydic, everybody. Thanks, Trevor. You know, this month is so important to me because I get to celebrate some amazing women, and the show buys me a really nice watch. I, I didn't sign off on that. I said no. Oh, yeah, that's why I forged your signature. <laughs> I did it for women. Now, look, I know a lot of men might think women's history doesn't affect them, but it turns out women throughout history have invented some of men's favorite things. For example, Trevor, what's the number one thing that men can't live without? I'll give you a hint. It starts with a B. Uh -huh. You whip him out during spring break. Boobs. Beer. Uh, yeah, beer. <laughs> no, no, boobs is a brand of South African beer. That's... <laughs> Okay. Well, beer is a $530 billion industry, mostly thanks to men. And who can blame them for loving beer with all those macho ads full of sexy women desperate to have sexy sex? Ooh, Grandpa, your social security check is so big. <laughs> you know, but it turns out Mesopotamian women were the ones who invented this man juice. Wait, sorry, no, that doesn't sound right. Um, uh, this man fluid. Yeah, that's better. But it's true, 7,000 years ago, beer was considered a gift from a goddess, and only women were entrusted with making it, which is why I no longer pay for beer when I go out. You know, instead of signing my bar tab, I just write, you're welcome. Well, that's actually a really cool thing. I mean, not you stealing drinks, but the invention of beer. Yeah, no, and, and that's not all. A woman helped create one of the things men think they can do when they're drunk, kung fu. You know, society has always told us what, that, it, that it's meant for men, you know, and pandas. But guess what? <laughs> Bruce Lee, the most famous kung fuer of all time, got his whole style of kung fu from a woman. In the 1700s, a nun by the name of Ing Moy developed her method after teaching a female student how to fight off a creepy guy. You know, these days you can just swipe left, but back then you had to literally <laughs> swipe left. That's, yeah, that's so amazing, wow. These things. What a lot about Women's History Month. Like, I didn't know that a nun helped invent kung fu. Yeah, well, I mean, it's not that crazy. Nuns are badass. R remember that nun in the 90s who took down one of Reno's biggest mobsters? And she still had time to teach her choir some Motown classics. Isn't, isn't that Sister Act? Yeah, it's my favorite documentary. And speaking of fighting, it was this woman, Lisa Meitner, who discovered nuclear fission. I'm, I'm sorry, Desi. Nuclear fission, what is that? Oh my God, seriously? Trevor, you don't know what nuclear fission is? I mean, everyone knows it's, it's when you, you fission the nuclear. 
you know, whatever. Okay, the point is, her discovery of nuclear fission became the basis for all nuclear weapons. So without her, there are no nuclear bombs. And without nuclear bombs, world leaders would have no way of proving how big their dicks are. So listen, fellas, the next time you're butt-chugging a PBR, or start a bar fight, or drop a nuke, remember all of the women who made it possible, and honor them by not doing any of that dumb shit in the first place. Desi Lennick, everyone. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Daily Show. My guest tonight is a Republican lawmaker from Texas who represents more of the U.S.-Mexico border than any other member of Congress. Please welcome Congressman Will Hurd. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. Let me ask you a question that is oftentimes the elephant in the room. Sure, let's hear it. As a black... Republican. <laughs> there's not, That's the question. Yeah, there, there's not there's 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 not many of us. Right. Uh, there's not. Many Why do of you us. think that is? Look, um, I, I think that is because look, my dad always says that he was a Republican from the first time Lincoln freed us. Right. Mm -hmm. And how I, old was your dad? <laughs> exactly. Uh, he, he's 86. Um, but. We have to make sure that we're recruiting candidates. And a lot of times the Republican Party doesn't go into communities that could naturally identify with our philosophy and our beliefs. Right. However, if you don't show up to places, if you don't talk to people, if they don't trust you, then they're not gonna listen to you. And right. that's what I try to change. And that's, you know, the district I actually represent is a 71% Latino district. Uh -huh. uh, it's 29 counties, two time zones, 820 miles of the border. It's larger than 26 states and it's roughly the size of Georgia. And I go to places that Republicans have never shown up. And I think that's why I've been able to be successful. It's interesting, the area that you represent, because that is a part of the country that most of America is fighting over. Most mm -hmm. people haven't been there, but that is what people are fighting over, the border. You actually represent a large portion of the border. What is going on down there? Because on one news channel, it is a war zone and the end of the world. On another news channel, it is only a utopian gateway where willing workers are coming through. Which one is it? Well, it's somewhere in the, in the middle, right? Which is, which is usually the case. There's a problem at the border right now. There's no doubt about that. $67 billion of drugs are coming into our country illegally. Right. Last year, about but, 400,000. But is that through the border, like a, the, the illegal of, border, or is uh, that ports of, of entry, legal ports of entry? P ports of entry, and some of it's coming in between the, 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 um, in between the, port, the ports of entry. Right. But the bulk of it is actually coming in through our ports. You can't make $67 billion by bringing it in a book back. Right, right, right. right. Uh, and, and to give some context to that number, Target, you know, the home goods store, is $65 billion. The U.S. intelligence budget is $61 billion. Wow. And, and now in some of our communities, especially in the Midwest, you're having people dying from, from drug use versus it's, that's higher than deaths on the, the roads. Um, you also have 400,000 people that try to come in our country illegally. Last year, right now, that number is about 300,000. And the difference right now is about 60% are families and unaccompanied children. In the 80s, when Border Patrol was, really got ratcheted up, yes. they were dealing with 
males, single men, right? Um, but, but here's the problem. We don't have operational control of our border. We don't know everything that's going back and forth across our border. The reason is because our strategy has been flawed for so many years. We're not looking at all 2,000 miles of border at mm -hmm. the same time. You can protect our border and facilitate the movement of goods and services at the exact same time. Well, let's, well, let's, talk, let's, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the border and the wall. Donald Trump has said the wall is what is going to protect America. You put the wall up there and then you stop the drugs, you stop the criminals, you stop the rapists. Some of them are good people, but you stop everyone else. Now, when you look at the border wall, what's interesting about your record is that you're a Republican, but you voted against Donald Trump's national emergency mm -hmm. border wall. Why? How does, how does that make sense for you as a Republican? Right. It, it makes sense for me as a Republican because I believe Congress was given the ultimate check and balance um, in government, and that's the power of the purse. Right. And Congress is the one that should be deciding how money is spent. Do you think and that it's a national emergency? It's a major problem. But when you say national emergency, that gives the president powers to take money from other parts of the government right. to use it for something that he sees fit. And I don't believe we should be taking money from our, our bases. We've just rebuilt our military. We're making sure that the men and women that are keeping us safe have the proper facilities to train in. And you're taking money away from that right. in order to put it on something that I, I've said, building a wall from sea to shining sea is the most expensive and least effective way to do border security. The the president actually uh, agrees with that. Yeah. Well, I'm, it's interesting that you say that because Trump's messaging on the wall has evolved quite substantially over mm -hmm. time. Some have credited you with some of the new messaging because you haven't met the president directly, but you speak to Mulvaney and some mm -hmm. of the other people in Trump's staff, and your talking points and your beliefs have found their way into his speeches. He used to say, we're gonna build a wall, a big, powerful, big, strong wall, big wall, beautiful wall, and then... You were saying, no, we don't need that. We need a smart wall. We need a wall. We need technology. We sure. need sensors. We need fiber optic cable, et cetera, et cetera. And then he started saying that. He says, not going to be just a medieval wall. It's going to be smart. It's going to be beautiful. What that guy said. And it feels like <laughs> some of your message is filtering yeah. through. So, so what do you think, American needs? What, what is your idea of this wall? A physical barrier in some places makes sense, where there's urban... In urban, some places. In, in some places. Okay. And urban to urban contact. Okay. Uh, 2,000 miles of the border right now between the U.S. and Mexico, 654 miles um, already have some kind of barrier. Yes. Let's call it okay. fencing. And then Congress over the years has passed another 88 miles. Um, what we need is technology. The technology exists to determine the difference between a bunny rabbit and a person. Mm -hmm. You can track that threat until you're able to deploy the most important resource, men and women, in Border Patrol. Right. And in some parts, especially in my district, I have the Chihuahuan Desert. It's the biggest desert in North America. Border Patrol's response time to a threat is measured in hours to days. So if you can't get to somebody in hours or days, a wall is actually not a physical barrier. It's right. a waste of money, so we need to be having technology. And we need more men and women in Border Patrol. Right now, today, there are 2,000 positions that are unfilled within Border Patrol. One of the reasons is it's a retention problem within Border Patrol. They do crazy things like they move someone from New Mexico to Texas, mm -hmm. and that person is forced to pay for their own move, their move of their kids and their family. No other entity in government does that. No private sector entity does that. And so those are some of the problems that need to be addressed to make sure that we have enough men and women in Border Patrol. You, you've also voted the opposite way to Trump. I mean, you've said that you are pro-DACA kids sure. getting an opportunity to stay in the United States. You, you said you are yeah. pro-the-dreamers. Sure. Why would you go against what 
Trump has said and what so many Republicans have said. So, so the other thing with border security, we need to streamline immigration. When the economy is at 3.8, 3 3.9, 4% unemployment, what does that mean? That means whether you're in agriculture or artificial intelligence, you need workers. Mm -hmm. And the quickest way to do that is streamline our legal immigration system. If we do that, then we allow Border Patrol to focus on kingpin human smugglers and things like that. Oh, right. and by the way, we have to address root causes, which is in the Northern Triangle, El Salvador, Honduras, Guatemala, addressing violence and lack of economic opportunities right, right, there. Right. But when it comes to dreamers, 1.2 million young men and women who have only known the United States of America as their home, they're already contributing to our economy, they're already contributing uh, to our society, they are already Americans, let's make sure we have a permanent legislative fix for them. When I look at, when I look at many of your policies, there are, there, are, there are pages of your policies that are difficult to distinguish from what many Democrats are saying. I'll be honest, you know? Or the other way of, around. A lot it's, of what you say... Democrats difficult Well, I think there are more that, Democrats yeah. saying right. what you're saying sure, than Republicans sure. saying yeah. what you're saying. That's why I say that. So either way, though, what do you then think makes you a Republican? Look, I believe in um, minority rights. I believe in economic choice. Uh, I, I believe in consumer choice. I believe in separation of powers. Uh, these are all the things that, that I believe. Right. And, and so I'm gonna continue to push this. But I also know that the only way we get big things done is by doing it together. And that is why I think, you know, all the legislation I've been able to get done under a Democratic president and a Republican president mm -hmm. has been by working together. The major things we've ever seen happen get done that way. You, you have been credited for working together. I mean, um, you, you took a famous road trip with uh, now, uh, you know, running for the president, Beto O'Rourke. Mm -hmm. um, and the two of you really, you created a storm because it was the two of you on a Facebook Live, you're driving around, um, you know, the country in a, in a rental car. I think you went from Texas to DC. Yeah. Horrible decision. Um, <laughs> and the two of you were just hanging out in the car. And, and the point of this was to, I guess, rekindle the idea that policymakers from different sides of the aisle could get along. Why is that so important to you? We can agree without being disagree. We can disagree without being disagreeable. And I think that's one thing that we showed. And we also showed that way no more unites us than divides us. Right. And if we focus on those things, we can get we can get a lot of big things done. You know, this part of that is is in my ethos. Right? I'm a classically trained engineer. I was an undercover officer in the CIA. And when you're going out recruiting spies and stealing secrets, uh, you can't tell someone, oh yeah, we can't do that today, boss. Right. We don't have enough money or we don't have enough people. You do the job. And so that's the kind of uh, perspective I try to bring to this. And again, the only way you do it is if we recognize way more unites us. L let me ask you this uh, as one final question. Mm. How do you respond? Because, I mean, you, you must be in a tough position, you know, and I, I've, I've read what people have written about you, what they tweet at you, et cetera. But how do you respond to black Americans who say, Will, how can you support a party that very clearly tries to disenfranchise the black vote, very clearly tries to implement laws and ideas that oppress black people in America? How can you right. be a black person and a Republican? Isn't that in of itself a, a paradox? Not because no one can be what they wanna be, but rather because this Republican party specifically seems to favor ideas and laws that target black people. 
Well, I would say to that, I support growing the amount of people that can actually turn out and vote. You know, I support making sure uh, that the police um, are properly trained and aren't targeting uh, black men and women um, unnecessarily. Uh, I believe in things like opportunity zones to making sure that we're growing uh, the, the, the opportunity for someone to move up the economic ladder. Right. You know, my dad's black. My mom is white. Uh, they grew up in South Texas, where they got married and, and moved to South Texas in, in 1971. And even then, my dad couldn't stop in restaurants or go to any hotel. Um, he, he, he couldn't do that then. Yes. And then, you know, fast forward 40 years later, their youngest son is a member of Congress. And, and ultimately, for me, uh, making sure that everybody's moving up the economic ladder. And while some people may espouse those things that you do. Not everybody is, is that way. And so, so I, I disagree with the premise, and my goal is to make sure that we have a competition of ideas you, you, within the party and, and, and amongst and the party. When you say you disagree with the premise, which, which part of the premise do you disagree with? So for instance, I'm, I'm saying, let, let's remove opinion sure. from it. Let's say, for instance, the Supreme Court ruling sure. saying, hey, we've looked at multiple laws that Republicans have created in and around voting, and we found no other possible explanation for the laws other than racism, which the Supreme Court never wants to use. Sure. They never want to say that word. They don't, they don't rush to that. So, I mean, do you disagree with that part of the premise, or do you just agree with the is, part of the premise the that the Republican Party... in North party... Carolina about yes, cracking yes, yes. And, and... Right. Look, that's the, that's the folks in North Carolina that made that decision. And saying that everybody right. who may have done that or pursued that does not mean that everybody within the party that's, that, that's that believes a, that. That's an interesting right? point. Do you yeah. think, then, that the Republican Party has a broad range of people who are within it? Do you think... Because I'll be honest, sure. this, is, this is what I've always said. I say to Americans, I say to my friends, I say, I think because you have a two-party system, yeah. you are going to be in a space where you're either or either, but the, the range and the gamut of people in politics is a lot wider than just sure. two sides. When you look at yourself within the Republican Party, do you find yourself being more centrist or... Or do you find that the Republic... Do you find the Republican Party is, is more extreme than you are? Do you find some of it is more extreme? Where do you see yourself within the party itself? So, I always... When, when someone tries to put a label on it, you know, that, that always frustrates me. Right. Because that's a... It, it's a myopic way of looking at the problem. Um, the Republican Party... There's a lot of different kinds of Republicans. The things that you and I have talked to... Talked about here, most people are like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Definitely. When, when I go home, guess what? The folks that have been Republicans um, all their life they agree with me, right? right? Democrats come up to me and whisper, I agree with you too, right? right. You know, and so, so this is, this is, so there's a lot of people that are like me and believe my way, right? And so, so my point is, is why I come in and talk to folks like you and talk to groups that may not necessarily believe in the Republican Party to say, listen, there are some of us that are thoughtful. There are some of us that are actually trying to solve problems. There are some of us that believe in helping people move up that economic ladder. That there are people People that have been left out yes. and we need to make sure that we take care of them and that we give them a, a hand up and so so that's that's what I believe and there's a lot of people that do believe my way and we don't get enough opportunity to talk about it so if I understand what you're saying is you're saying some of them may be racist some of them may be horrible people but most I assume are good people well um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking with you yo man I can I be honest I yeah honestly I I appreciate you being on the show. I mean, like you say, we don't have to agree on everything, sure. but I mean, as the audience hears, you, you, you make sense. Mm -hmm. You know, you are thoughtful in a lot of the things that you say, and I appreciate you coming out here. I joke with you, right. but uh, I wish we could have more of these conversations from all sides. So thank you very much let's for being on the show. Let's do it down to Texas.
this one really hard, everybody. Thank you so much. Thank you for real. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.